Okay. Good evening, everybody. It's yet another beautiful time in the presence of God. Um, it's another delight to bring God's word to us this evening. It's a pleasure, I would say, and I've um, counted as a great honor for me to be speaking to us tonight. With God, there is no coincidence. And with our God, there is no unfortunate cases or accidents. Why? Because our God is an intentional God. He's very intentional with all he does. And tonight, I count it as um, a thing of great honor to be speaking to us tonight. We're going to be examining yet another parable or a discussion, I would say, to say an instruction or a blunt truth that Jesus shared with his disciples and not just his disciples alone, to the crowd that were with him on this faithful day. I would try as much as possible to take us back to that time um, and to make us picture, to have us picture what um, Jesus was, um, what the scene looks like on this faithful day where Jesus shared this parable or this discourse with his disciples and the crowd. Okay, one thing that usually I'm always very delighted about when we come together, be it for my personal fellowship or in a church setting like tonight or the prayer meeting that we have or anything when I have to come to God in prayer position. It's a good thing or it's always a delight for me to know that our God is God <laughs> and he, he doesn't need or we don't need to send him a reminder or to wait for him that he's running late or he forgot to appear or he's too tired to show up today. No, we are the ones that turn off and turn on. We turn off and turn on. If you understand what I mean by turning off and turning on, take for instance, we met on Sunday as a church, right? And after our get together, we had to turn off. And again, tonight, for the next one hour, we're going to be turning on. But you see, our God is not like that. Hallelujah. Are you not glad? Thank God that the God we serve is, he never sleeps nor slumber. Yes, his ears are not heavy to hear our prayer. Yes. In fact, when we are weak, he is strong. His strength is made manifest in our weakness. Our God is, is constant, is the same. You see, you, it's easy for us to picture our God that our, is, yes, it is the same yesterday, is the same today, is the same forever. The same thing with um, our God's presence, his omniscience, is everywhere, is all knowing. This is a good thing. In fact, why don't you just lift up your hands wherever we are tonight and just give thanks to God for this, this fact alone. Thank you, Lord. Because you are always available. You said in your word that if we seek you 
with a, a with a with um with a sincere heart we will find you he said if we seek you diligently you shall be found and thank you tonight lord for this door that you have made available that you have flung wide open such that we know that anytime we come we are always sure you are there waiting for us always available i hope someone is 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 feeling what i'm feeling tonight but what a sweet place to start our god is constant our god is always available you see even in worldly time if you tell you that well customer care line 24 7 they are available 24 7 you see it's a lie call them at 1 1 a.m in the in the morning well the the weakness might be that yeah someone is on the line someone's supposed to pick up your call and attend to you but guess what because that person is human the person has slept off <laughs> the person himself is under is is i, I hear those people that do uh, shift that the night shift is usually a lazy one well i don't know depending on the job you do but our god is not like that he never sleeps never slumber and thus we have come again tonight and what have we come to do to learn of his command i will be learning first of all right and we all are going to be learning as well because he's going to be speaking to us again tonight. And what will happen, one thing I know for sure, among so many other things that will happen, is that we will be changed. But then after we, will be, we have been changed, it's now down to us to go on obeying. To go on obeying. There was one short study I was doing yesterday. Maybe I will start off tonight on that um, ground. Let's just pray quickly. Father, we bless you. We thank you for yet another opportunity. It's a great privilege. Oh, sweet father. <laughs> yes, yes, you are a good father. Why? Because you are always available. You are very intentional. You are intentional, God. You are always available. You are always willing. You are able. You're just everything, Lord. We thank you. We've come again tonight we gather together with one voice under one spirit one father and, and the lord of all the father of all spirits we gather together tonight lord to hear from your feet yes to study and to 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 learn that we might show ourselves approved but first of all that we might know what we need to do and go on into obedience and then we're able to use this knowledge or this light of what is going to be shared in our hearts to go out there to showcase to the world. And we, like we learned on Sunday, that Lord, through us, you might be vindicated. That through us, you, your name might be, be, be lifted high. We're so grateful tonight, Lord. And we thank you for such a privilege. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Yes, I said I was going to share your thoughts. Let's really turn our Bible to um to um Second Timothy chapter two. Oh, sorry, Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two. I was just sharing this thought with the brother yesterday, right? And I I think it's a good place to start tonight. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You see, in this last days, in this end times, sir, 
one thing is very important that we must we must obey, that we must have at the back of our mind, that we must be willing to hear and that we must be willing to do. Um, Second Thessalonians, if you have been reading your Bible very well, you know that Second Thessalonians talk about one man, one major center focus at the end of days. And this is the Antichrist. But I'm not going to be talking about the Antichrist. I will just go on to the point. Um, I will go on to verse, verse 12. V verse 12. Yes, this is exactly my focus tonight. And I will be reading it from the... Um, let me see how what the NLT... I'm not actually ready in NLT, but let's see what the NLT puts it as. Right? Um, okay, verse, okay, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll read from verse, verse 10. It said, He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. That's my focus tonight. That verse 10, actually. Sorry, it's verse 10, not verse 12. Let me read that again. I love, I love the way NLT is putting it. It says here, it says, This man, okay, I'll read from 9, 2 Thessalonians 2 9. It said, This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Wow. And what categorizes them as fools on their way to destruction? What? They refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. Hmm. They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. It means that they heard the truth. It means that it was preached to them. It means it was made clear, like Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 3. It was evidently presented. It was, it, there, was no, there, was no, um, um, there was no secrecy to it. But you, guess what? They refused to love, first of all, and accept the truth that will save them. I hope this is speaking to someone tonight. You see, we've been saying so much things. So much has been said. Okay, if we say from January till now, is it to talk about the eschatology that we went through for some couple of months? Is it the book of Romans that we took almost one calendar month, um, one calendar year to treat? Is it the um, so the, the amount of Bible studies, the parables that have been said, and so forth and so forth? Everything is down to one thing, loving the truth, accepting the truth, and obeying the truth. And we learned on Sunday what practical faith is. It's not just in speech. It's not just in head knowledge. It's going on to do. And this, is really, this will be the, 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 the foundation for the parable we're going to be examining again tonight. Look at that part again. Thank you for um, um, boldening it up, sir. That because they refuse to love and accept the truth, that will save them. Sirs, let's open our heart tonight 
and not just tonight, every other night. And let's reflect on those things that has been said. Let's first of all, love them and accept them. Let's not just agree and then not, not um, um, accept. You agree with that. Okay, yeah, I agree. Like I've often asked people that, okay, this thing that, that was said on Sunday or this thing that, uh, um, um, that was preached, what do you think about it? Well, I agree. I, yeah, it's very correct. Okay. After agreeing, what are you going to do? Will you go on into obeying what you've agreed? But that's not always the case. Sometimes we agree with something, but it's just... Hmm. Wow. And my prayer tonight is that by the time we're done and by the time we reflect on all of these parables that's been said, we will see that, okay, we are, we are, we are, we are ready. Or in fact, we are, we are already doing, and we are ready to go on doing that which has been said. Like we're going to be learning tonight. I was going to ask us before um, the question I asked last week so on Tuesday. That's how many parables have we talked about so far? And if we can list some of them, but um I would let that go tonight. But I, I ask the question, you don't have to answer, just answer in your heart. How many parables have we, have we examined so far? And can you list, out of the, of the um, parables that have been discussed, can you list all of them? Okay, if not all of them, can you list? How many of them can you list? Okay, and most importantly, <laughs> the parables that have been discussed how many of them have you have you taken into practice and have you have you actually um, um incorporated the, the knowledge of what you gained and the instruction that was given right take for instance the parable of the candle and the bushel how many of i mean have you done that have you have you displayed that this this was like three weeks ago now mm-hmm have we actually taken this into practice? As I'm asking us, I'm asking myself, have I actually? Let us examine ourselves tonight. Because like I said last time, this is the whole essence of these parables. It's not just to come so that we can boast and say, well, at the church, I talk about <laughs> all 52 parables of Jesus. Okay, not 52, actually. All 40 parables of Jesus, we've treated everything. Oh, you ask me the parable of that, I will tell you where it is. That's not the whole essence. Like we learned on Sunday, practical faith, practical faith. The message on Sunday is still is still resounding in my memory. I was talking about uh, we we're discussing with a brother yesterday. Says, let's be doers indeed, because this is the delight that God delights in. This is God's delight for us that we are doers. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to be examining. Another parable, which um, is categorized as a parable, but again, I see it as a discussion, or I, I say a blunt truth, a, a fact. In fact, is a fact. In fact, if there's anything like a factual fact <laughs> that Jesus has claimed, and it is an express word of Jesus. These are express words of Jesus. They, the, and to the tonight's parable, like we'll see shortly, it's very clear. You don't even need anybody to, to, to interpret it in that sense. It doesn't need any interpretation per se. It's very, very clear. 
And if truly this Jesus' claim is true, which of course it is, ah, then it means we have not even started. Let's look at it together. The parable of the cost of discipleship. Or let me just say, permit me, I'll just remove the parable part and just say the cost of discipleship. The costs of discipleship. This discourse or this parable can only be found in one of the Gospels. Now, there are some of the parables that you'll find in the three Gospels. There are some that you'll find in just one. There are some that, like the parable of um, the ten virgins that we examined last time, you can only find it in the book of Matthew 24, 20, 25, rather. You will not see it anywhere else, right? So is this parable, the parable of the cost of discipleship. Even looking at the title alone, it is super clear. You know the expectation. You know what it's talking about. But again, for study's sake, we're going to be looking at it again tonight. And my, my prayer is that the Lord will speak to us all, all of us, expressly, expressly tonight, expressly, without in plain terms, we're going to be looking at some examples of the Bible characters. I'm just going to be speaking from my heart tonight. So permit me, I might just be going here and there. But just permit my trust that the Holy Spirit will help to conjoin everything together and make sense and meaning out of it. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 14 from verse 25. If you are reading a Bible like mine, I'm going to be reading from um hmm, Trumbull translation okay i prepared in the esv so we'll be reading in the esv tonight right but i would i will juggle between esv and nlt and maybe amplified in some case right i'll juggle between this this three bible translations right luke chapter 14 now if you look at the the if you for your for some of us that we have a bible in um in some recent updated version you see that there's a subheading right and that subheading is exactly what the parable is um, talking about the cost of discipleship the cost of discipleship hmm. okay let's dive straight today i'll read it from luke 14 verse verses 25 down to 33 in the ESV, I read. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Sir. We have the, the screenshot there for us to read. Let's pay attention tonight. How I wished, I would have really loved this to be an interactive section, but we have just one hour, actually 40 minutes remaining. Right? Now, great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, Right, I would not go. I would have loved us to. I would have loved to just um, um, summarize from chapter and um, from verse one of this chapter, right? But we'll just go straight into it. It's self-explanatory, and I will advise us to go and read the entire chapter. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes." and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, <laughs> This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And the conclusion, for therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Every one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I'll quickly read that last verse 33 in the NLT. See what it says in the NLT. Um, so you cannot become a disciple without giving up everything you own. Plain terms, says. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Everything you own. Anything that you can call your own. Anything that is associated to you. Even your very body. So we see what I meant when I said that this is actually self-explanatory. It is very, very clear. What is the what are we discussing tonight? The cost of discipleship. Now, when you say the cost of discipleship, cost it means the price that you have to pay, right? The price you have to pay. Take for instance now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is a perfect example, but there was this uh, there's this movie that um, the Avengers. I think end of game or the end of war or something like that i remember a phrase there a phrase just jumped to my head now i'll share it with us quickly it was thanos when you know after he has snapped his finger and um, everything destroyed I, I don't know how many percent now you know everything got um burnt and dissolved away and then they showed um a scene of after like where thanos was with this green lady i don't know her name now right and the girl asked her that um um, the, let me see, try to paraphrase. And I asked, uh, for those of us that have seen the movie, you you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, he said, he's, um, he's, she asked her, he said that, did you get what you were after? And then he said sorrowfully, he said, yes. And then the lady asked her a question, said, what did it cost you? And for those of us that have seen the movie, you can you remember what Thanos response was? Can we remember? He said, everything. That was his response. The lady asked her, what did it cost you? And his response was, everything. It cost me everything. This is what we're talking about tonight. The cost of discipleship. Jesus saw the crowd coming, trooping after him. Right? Okay, let's, now let's dive into it. Um, the, um, to go from 
or 25. He said, now, okay, let's quickly look at it, examine it verse by verse. Now, great crowds are coming to him, and he turned and said to them, great crowd. These are not just his disciples. Great crowd. For the Bible to say great crowd, then it means great crowd. You want to put a number to it? I think for us to call it a crowd, it must start from at the very least, 100 and above. At the very least. And now we're talking about looking at the, the multiplication of the of the of the five loaves of bread and two fishes and all of that. We had five thousand, we had three thousand. We know that at least they are in the thousands. Can you picture this? I said I was going to try to um, take us to this to Jesus's time. Can you picture you being in a church, or you have um, um, someone you are looking after? Okay, you have a, a role model or someone that you're just you're just Coming after that, ah, if only I can just get an autograph of this man, or if only I can just get a handshake from this man, or if only I can just get a, just a word, just a one minute with this man. I've actually been with people who all they owe you is just five minutes of their time, or just 10 minutes. They will tell you accurately, I just have 10 minutes. And guess what? Once it's 10 minutes, they're out, whatever you want to tell them. Now, imagine you have, you have, you have crowd coming after this kind of person, and then he looks at them and tells them that, hey, all of you that you are willing for me to mentor you, and for me to, to disciple you, this is the cost of discipleship. You all have to bring $20,000. You know that <laughs> like 99.9% of the people following will, will go away. But Jesus, let's look at the costs that Jesus was listening. Was he actually, how many talents was he? Did Jesus say that they, they will need to, to follow him? How many talents? How many? How many silver? How many? How many? What? What exactly? We'll go to the next verse. Verse twenty-six. It says, "If anyone comes to me and does not," it went on listing the the price you have to pay. Number one, hate his brother, hate his father, hate his mother, hate his wife. It is children and sisters, and yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. You okay? Let's hold on on that point for some minutes. So Jesus is saying that I must hate. Let's examine what's that word hate there. Actually, what does it mean? Actually, I checked out the Greek. It's still it's the hate, hate like hate. Not hate to, to um, want to cause harm, so to say. Not hate like you want to, you want to, you want to kill. No, the hate here is like to, to. Um, what is the other word I can? Another synonym I can use to, to correctly, um, convey these thoughts that I have in my head, is to 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 deny yourself. Yes. I think that, that, that would do. Self-denial. Yes, that's what I'm talking about tonight. To deny yourself of any association that will cost you um, your pursuit or your, your, your focus on your core or on, on God, so to say, or on Christ. It means that to put side by side, you must hate this. Remember, okay, okay, sorry, I'm running ahead of myself. Okay, so you see what we have here. Okay, the first thing you want to say is, 
Uh, is this actually very practical? Isn't this a parable? Is Jesus, does Jesus mean this literally? Is it, is it literal or is it just a figure or is it just um, 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 a paradox or is it just um, for us to read meanings to it? Is it, is it, is it, is it um, um, an idiomatic expression and all of this English big, big book vocabulary? says it is actually very, very literal. It is very literal. And the next thing you might want to ask is, well, do you have anywhere an example, an example that uh, we have in the Bible, at least two, at least we have two, three witnesses to portray this point. Let's start quickly with um, Luke 16. Stay in the book of Luke. We actually have, we can actually stay on Luke for the whole of this discussion. Let me really go there myself. Luke 16, um, uh, verse 13. I chose to stay with Luke since we are on. We'll just go two chapters um, ahead. We know this very, very well. We have the same account in Matthew, I think Matthew 7 now. Yes. Look at what Jesus said that. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can now serve God and money. Look at. Yeah, so Jesus is saying that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God or you cannot love God and at the same time love anything earthly including your own life, your own self. You cannot love yourself. Okay, the next question you want to ask me is, how can I love myself? How can I, how can I love myself more than God? Is it even possible? Actually, it's very, very possible. In fact, to bring it down to the barest chunk, the first thing you might want to ask is, what actually have you denied yourself? How many self-denial or how many self-denying actions have you ventured or do you do you know or have you experienced all to 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 display or to to um show an evidence of your love for God? I used to tell people, and now I'm adding uh, I had two lists before now. I have a third one. The first one is food, which is like the most important necessity right, for you to live. Okay, we call it a fast. Oh, okay, there is a fast in church, take for instance. Or oh, the Holy Spirit laying your heart for fast now fast. How much can you can you hold your appetite not to eat? Yes, we're talking about denying yourself. We're talking about loving yourself more than God. Is it that okay? We said that let's take on to six o'clock, and by three o'clock is like see if you want to faint. I met people who have told me that I can it's impossible, I will not eat till. 12 a.m., 12 p.m. in the morning, in the afternoon, in the early afternoon, why not? No, 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 I can't, I can't survive. I will just die. Yes, I've met people say those words to me. Now, as a believer, how much, how, how well, or how much control do you have over your appetite? Okay, have you done 24 hours, 48 hours? I remember there was a day in church that the pastor asked that. How many people? Okay, three days, seven days. Okay, what am I saying? Am I saying that you should then... Like tomorrow you say that you are going for the next 21 days, you don't want to eat. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just trying to make you see, see what I'm talking about or how it is very much possible for you to love. This is a, this is like very, very basic. I'm talking about food though. Very, very basic. Yes, those basic things. 
The second one is all about sleep. Yes. Are you really in control of your sleep? Or your sleep is in control of you? Yes. Can you wake up in the middle of the night and just because of your love for God, not because you have one pressing, you know, you're trusting God for something or there's one, um, something pursuing you or you're pursuing something just for your love for Christ or you, because of the knowledge you want to, you want to know more of him. You study late into the night or you, 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 you deprive yourself of sleep and you go on praying into late into the night or early in the morning. And you have done, you've been doing that consistently. Yes, we're talking about self-denial. Mm -hmm. What about pleasure? What about pleasure? Like, like depriving yourself of something very pleasurable, something that you know that, ah, this is very pleasurable. I mean, I can go on, on and on with the list, but at least this is the three that I usually come up with whenever I'm talking about self-denial. This is, we're talking about loving yourself more than God. Is it possible? Yes, it is very much possible. It's very much possible. Okay, even let's look at it. Let's ex expand much more on the things that are, okay, seemingly not simple. How many acts or how many, how many experiences do you have of you, you sticking your neck out for the service of God or to the service of God or for your, for your claim or your, 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 um, your profession of the love? Remember what Paul said. Let's, let's, let's look at it, actually. Romans 16. Romans 16. Let's turn our Bible quickly to Romans 16. Paul was commending and saying something fantastic. We've studied the book of Romans, right? So we know this part I'm talking about. Of two people, actually, coupled. Aquila and Priscilla. He said in verse 3, he said, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Wow. They laid down their own necks. Let me see what um, 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 NLT will say for that. Verse 4. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Look at what he's saying here. He said, yes, um, in NLT. He said, in fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. These ones were ready to lay down their life. Okay, what about Paul? That was Paul himself that, was, that is <laughs> commending people here. What can we say of Paul? Remember his experience. When he was going to go to Jerusalem, let's turn our Bible quickly there. We have that recorded in Acts 21, quickly. We're talking about those that, because you might be thinking, uh, are we sure this thing is literal? Or is it just a figure or is it actually a parable? Is it actually very literal? We have these examples. We have this men of faith, as recorded in our holy scripture, that have gone ahead of us. That have gone ahead of us. See what um, we have in verse 13. Then Paul answered. I don't want to read from the beginning. We know this story very well. See what, look, look at what answer, and Paul answered. This was after, you know, it was said to him that by Agabus that, you know, I saw the man that owned this, this, this girdle, this belt, and he was bound both hand and feet this way. And Jesus, I, I said, Jesus, 
Paul was like, ah, uh-uh. in verse um in verse 13 now. He said, What mean you to weep? Okay, sorry, let me read it in um, ESV, verse 13 in ESV. Look at what he said. He said, then Paul answered, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem. Wow. If you go and study Philippians chapter 1 and 2, you will understand this better, what Paul is saying here. Yes. He said he was ready to die. Uh-uh. Just to be bound is what you're crying. Me, I'm even ready to die. Yes. So now let's go back to Luke 14. There are several other examples. Okay, let me let me just make reference to some. What about Esther? Do we remember Esther in the Bible? For some of our women, they might think, ah, well, this thing is only for men, actually. <laughs> what about Esther? We know the story of Esther. What about the three Hebrew boys? What about the three Hebrew These are people who, who not, not only were they ready, in their hearts, they are, they are long dead. For this cause, oh, yes. For this cause, I'm ready to abandon everything. I'm ready to let go of everything. I'm ready to, to take on this because this is the price that must be paid. We're talking about the cost of discipleship. What about Moses? We can go on with several lists of people who deny themselves of earthly pleasure, who deny themselves of family, who deny themselves of brothers and sisters. Sars, this is very literal. And the question I'm asking myself is, among all of these costs that's listed here, how many am I ready to pay? Or how many have I actually paid? That's the question tonight. That's the cross of this parable. This is the, this is the main, main discussion that we are supposed to have. The list goes on and on. Yes. And in the other, on the other hand, you remember the story of the young ruler? It's accounted in Luke. Remember the story of the young ruler who, who we have as uh, a negative example here now who was not ready to let go because the Bible recorded that he had great wealth. He was not ready. This one is not even his life. This one is his properties. His properties. So we see what Jesus said in Luke 20, um, um, 14, 26, the parable we're examining. That if anyone comes to me and does not hate, the hate here is denying. You do not deny yourself or you are putting side by side like we learned of, um, in Luke 16 just now, right? That if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Oh, this scripture just um, um, dropped on my mind now. Uh, Brother Manu, if you can help us find it. Remember where the, the disciples came to me and were like, Jesus, we have, we have laid everything behind. We have let go of everything. What is there for us? Jesus told them that. Yes, any man who has left all of these things that I've listed here, they have denied themselves of earthly pleasures, of father, of mother, of children. We're not only, it's not only that they will get it in one, let me, let's read, um, Let's read that. I think, yes, thank you very much, sir. In uh, Matthew 19, thank you so much. It says, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, 
when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, see details here, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. I didn't have this listed, but it just dropped on my mind now. Look at all he listed. The same thing like we have in the parable. The same thing. Peter asked him, Lord, so we see here that it is the point I'm trying to make tonight is this is very literal. So if it is truly literal, then the question I'm asking myself is, wow. Remember what said and Paul said in first Corinthians, um, first Corinthians seven. Let's quickly go there. <laughs> First Corinthians 7, from verse 29. First Corinthians 7, let me return there myself, from verse 29. Look at what he said. He said, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Speaking of the present world is passing away. Remember what John wrote. The word is passing away, which is pleasures thereof. But those who do the will of the Lord will abide forever. But we don't need to turn, turn there tonight. But the point I'm trying to make is, this is very literal, sir. And those who are married must act like they are not married. Those who have wives or have husbands must act like they don't. Because in any case, the last time that we had, the last days that we are right now, it is recorded that brothers will... Betray brothers. Sisters will betray sisters. Husband would betray wife if I may had my own. So you see, the message tonight is for self-denial. It's death, death to self. Death to the flesh. Death to, to the biggest weakness that we have, which is our flesh, our very self. Self, anything self, anything self pleasures, our ambitions, our goals, everything must be laid aside. Now, the practical part of this is, how can I lay all of this aside and how can I do this and follow him? It's down to where your heart is. Take for instance, just for an instance, we talk about Bible study. How well do you join or how, how, how diligent or how faithful are you to these Bible studies or prayer meetings or coming to church? I mean, how, how can, you, can you come up and say and boast that, okay, I'm actually doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I know I'm not there yet, but I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And compare all of those things, Saz, Amma, 
to the criteria here, to the cost of being a disciple of Jesus, of being a follower of Jesus, or being a child of God. How committed are you? Okay, all the instructions, doing good. How committed are you? How much, how well do you give your service to God? Do you do it just to, to, to showcase? Is it forceful? Is it, is it compelling? You need someone to encourage you for you to do the work of God? Yes. Do you need someone to, to, to encourage, to give you thumbs up for you to do God's work? Those things that has been laid in your heart, even in my heart as well, how well, how faithful I am to them. How faithful am I, I, am I to these things? The devil has successfully taken our focus, our attention away from those things that truly, truly matter. And says, the, the most heartbreaking part of all of this is we know. Or maybe we don't. But, but tonight, we know. But still, we are unable to accept and come to terms with this truth. And you know the danger? Let's go back to the verse that we started with. The danger. <laughs> Let's go back to, we started with Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Go back. Let's go back there. Look at in verse 10. I read 10. It said, Second Thessalonians 2, 10. It said, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to and so be saved. You know what happened in verse 11? Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Wow. Oh. We can correlate this with Romans 1, what Paul said. God sends them a strong delusion. Remember what Proverbs says. He who is often rebuked and did not take or refuses to take to correction. What does the Bible say? It says it will perish. He or she will perish all of a sudden. And that's without remedy. I love the way Yoruba puts it. Says, All of a sudden. Says, tonight we need, we, I feel we need to, to make a, a, a declaration. And, and confess tonight because says i look all around me all over the churches there are very few indeed like jesus said that are ready to pay this cost or that are paying it denying ourselves denying our father our mother our very family I will encourage us for some of us or some of those of us that are or anybody out there that are trying, instead of discouraging them, let's encourage them. Our husband, our wives, we should encourage one another. 
Because this is the cost that must be paid. This is the cross that we must carry. We must deny ourselves. We must pick up our cross and follow. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. Um, Matthew 16, 24. I have that listed in my Bible outline. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this revelation. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this revelation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Matthew 16, verse 24. What does it say? And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's examine that. Let me see if I can get that in, in Amplified. Amplified will do justice to this. Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me. Oh, sorry. Amplified, I said. In the Amplified version, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wish to follow me, as my disciple, the cost of discipleship, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest. You see, we're talking about self. Denying yourself is taking everything that has to do your ambition, your focus, your yourself, your dignity, your pride, your ego, your possession, your, your, your acquisition, everything. Denying yourself. Remember what Paul said in Philippians. He counted all of his earthly achievements as dung. That he may know, that he might know, that he might come to the full knowledge of Christ. Sorry for digressing. Digressing. He must deny himself, set aside self-interest and take up his cross. <laughs> expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me. Believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Dying because of faith in me. Dying because of faith in me. So the best way to relate this for us uh, is, let's ask ourselves, how much are we willing to let go for God? For knowing him. The reason you've not been reading Bible as the way you ought to is because at work, after all, we have been told not to, not, not to be slothful, to be diligent, right? After all, the second command is that we should love our neighbor. But guess what? You have, you have placed this above the number one, which is our love to God. And how can you even know how to love your neighbor if you do not love God? Remember what John said in his episode? He said that if anyone claims that he loves God and does not fulfill his commandment, he's a liar. It's not possible. 
And how many of God's commandments have you fulfilled today? Or how many of God's instructions have you followed today? Okay, you have been assigned a, a you've, you've been given a task, a delegation. How faithful are you to it? How many times do you have you had to call off your 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 responsibility that you claim that you 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 accepted willingly and you have even been commissioned for and has been laid on you to go on to do those things? How many times have you had to to lay those things aside because of yourself? How many times have you had to let go of, of the things that are God's for yourself? These are the questions you are to ask ourselves tonight. And how many times have you had to compromise in the society or in the company of, of unbelievers because of you didn't want to feel out of place? You just had to blend. This is the question we have to ask ourselves tonight. This is the question to ask ourselves. How many times have we had to, to, to love the world and the things that are in the world? Knowing fully when that if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But we had to love the world. In fact, sometimes to our own detriment, I mean, this one is not even anything spiritual. You've had to love self or love pleasure. Sometimes to your own detriment. There's um um there's an adage in Yoruba. It says that Tabanika It says that if you are to look at uh, I don't know how to translate that in Europe in English now. You know, there are some things that are pleasurable that, you know, in your body, if you keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, before you know it, you are harming yourself, you are bleeding. Take, for instance, I actually had a friend, this is real life, you know, that loved so much. She got addicted to tickling her ears. Sarah's and man, it got so bad that, you know, the, the bud, the air bud, she used to finish like two packs per day. I'm not exaggerating, Sarah. This was her testimony to me. In fact, it got so bad that I, yes, got an infection. I was swollen. And still, it was now compulsive. She could not help it because of the pleasure it brings. Can you imagine that? Well, thank God she, <laughs> when she, she visited the doctor and she was told the danger. In fact, it got so bad that she, she, she could not um, hear very well using that year. Thank you, sir. Yes. This is uh, Brian buttressing this point with the book of Proverbs. Stolen water is sweet and bread stolen in eating in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of Shoel, <laughs> where you end up if you continue. We are not to eat God by putting him aside and putting our ambitions forward, first of all. No. It should be the other way around. It should be the other way around. My prayer tonight is that after all that has been said and so much more that needs to be said, 
we will go on to do. We can go over this again and look at the list that we have there. Denying yourself, even as a church for us. God as God, God as 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 um enrolled us into his his self or into his 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 um his kingdom for a purpose. But we cannot get into this kingdom and now fulfill our own purpose. The current decisions that you have made or the next decision you want to make, why um, that you want to make rather, why do you want to make that decision? Is it because of God? Or because are we deceiving ourselves and say, well, God will, our God is not restricted to location. Especially of wherever we go, we will still, we will still have, are you sure? Remember what Jesus said. If the world hates you, remember that he hates me first. I went tonight with the parts that we read already. What Paul said. Or let's go to Joshua. Joshua 24, 15. Very popular verse. Joshua 24. And then I'll call it tonight. Or an evening. Joshua 24. Verse. I remember while growing up. Among the very few um, frames that we have on the wall in my house. We have this there. Look at what Joshua said. He said, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. For as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We bless your holy name. Oh, Words is failing me tonight to express how much how much I can just say I can't seem to be able to conjure words from memory tonight, Lord. I can't say help us, Lord, because you have given us all. Thinking about it, you gave it all to redeem us. You did not withhold anything. You did not, you did not hold on to anything. You gave it all. And you expect us to do likewise. My prayer tonight, Lord. With Man, it is impossible. There's no how a man will wake up in his own self, selfish self, and think he wants to do this thing. But we know that with you, everything is possible. So therefore, Lord, we yield ourselves through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in us. We go on to obedience. Yes, 
we walk out our salvation, Lord, with fear and trembling. For we know that it is you who worketh in us, both to will and to do your good pleasure. Our prayer tonight is, Lord, you have free course. As a church, you have free course in our midst, O oh Lord. As a church, you have free course. We do not hinder, we do not stifle, we do not, we do not quench, we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. No man gets into your way, Lord, that you might have free course. That you might have fricus. That we die to self. We die to ambitions. We die to projects. We die to, to, to goals. We die to all of these earthly achievements that will only remain here. And we build for ourselves treasures in heaven. Lord, with one accord, we cry to you tonight. That you have fricus in our midst. We have free cost in our life. We have free cost in our mind. Oh, thank you, Lord. Because we know that that which you have committed to your hands, you are much, 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 much more than able to see it come to pass. And this is the confidence we have. We know that we cannot do this by ourselves. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit, our strengthener, our help, our guide, our advocate. Rely on you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you just say those words tonight? Thank you, Lord. Can you just follow me? Say, thank you, Lord. Because I know that tonight, after this word, I, don't, I do not rely on my own strength. Lord, I rely on you. And I know that you are able to do. I know that you are able to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Abba, Father, for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for joining tonight. Sorry for taking a little of our time. Let's go on into obedience, says. Let's go on to obedience. Let's remember 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 10. Let's remember we must love the truth and we must be able to accept it and we'll do it. God bless us all. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.